Hey, we've got a pretty special treat for you this morning because I'm not just welcoming one person up this morning. I've got our two pastors, Pastor Chris and Vicky, are both coming up this morning. I don't know what that means for us, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> How about you guys? Let's welcome them this morning. Oh, that's awkward. Is that not true? Yeah, sorry about that. What? Uh, no, no. Uh, I'm going first, okay, is what's happening. Right, right, there we go. If I don't get mine in first, I'm never going to. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, 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 you guys may be seated. Uh, sorry, I forgot the mic was on. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. Um, we wanted to do something a, a little bit different uh, over the next couple of weeks. We've been uh, exploring my strange Bible and uh, looking at various scriptures there, and I thought nothing could be stranger than actually having both of us uh, come up here and, and uh, talk a bit about our lives and, and our journey. I, I hadn't actually planned this, but of course the fact that it is uh, our anniversary, if you like, our church anniversary today, um, makes it uh, perhaps even, even more special. So the fact is it's coming up to Easter, and you know, I'm as horrified as Kirsty, I think, at the fact that you know, this, this year seems to have sort of gone in a blur. Um, and Easter, Easter has a tendency, like every other thing in the church calendar, just to become an event. You know, Christmas is a great event to have. You know, we, we've even started celebrating Pentecost Sunday, which is a sort of a traditional sort of thing, but we've taken that on board because it's good to, good to know things about you know, what happened in church history. And, and then we've got Easter, which is this great event that happened. But Easter is actually more than, than just an event. Uh, Easter actually celebrates the pivotal moment of our, of our faith. Without Easter, we, we can just be Christian City Church Norwood Club. We're just a band of people who get together because we like singing songs, we like bright lights, um, and uh, we like to sit and listen to somebody talk to us with, with possible wisdom that we might be able to use in our life. And you know, we go and have a coffee afterwards, and you know, it fits the bill of a club. We just say we belong, we've paid our membership fees, but our faith is actually based on the fact that Jesus died and rose again. And if he didn't do that, then well, that's all we have, it's a club. And so I wanted to do something before Easter, which, which perhaps gave a bit of impact to the whole idea that it's not just a, a Good Friday service, we don't just come and, and uh, yeah, we have actually scheduled it on Good Friday because we know that people go away for the Easter weekend and we're not trying to enable people's sin by not coming on Sunday, but <laughs> um, we think it's, it's great that we can actually start the weekend by celebrating Easter and then some people may, may be able to take the whole weekend off. Um, more power to you, I'm doing that. Um, and so... I want us to really get a grasp of what we're going into this year for Easter. And the key scripture I want to use is, is this one from Philippians, Philippians 3.10. Wasn't quite what I was thinking, but, you know, I didn't know Paul had actually put it to music, but hey, let's go with it. Um, but unfortunately, you'll have to put up with just my voice, and those of you who know me know that you do not want me to sing. Um, so Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
But then it says, I want to suffer with him. He's thinking, hang on. Sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And so this is one of those scriptures that starts off well but gets sort of conflicting. And so I thought it might be a good idea to perhaps expound a bit on that and, and work out what it means and why it's actually important for us to, to actually recognise that there are three things that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about the fact that we should know him, him being Jesus. But we should also know the power of his resurrection. And we should also be happy to be suffering with him. Now, the knowing him bit, I think, most is covered in a lot of messages. And so I'm not going to talk a lot about the idea of knowing Jesus. But over the next couple of Sundays, I want to cover knowing the power of his resurrection and the idea of suffering with Jesus. And you'll be thankful to know I'm leaving that one till next week. And so we want to demystify some of these terms because it, it's a great scripture, but it's very Christianese, isn't it? If you don't know much about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, this, this whole idea of um, experiencing the power that raised him and suffering with him, sharing in his death, it doesn't sound like a good dinner table conversation. You know, it's not, you don't go to dinner parties, for instance, and I hope they're not going to discuss this. Let's share in death this evening. I just happen to have put deadly nightshade in all your food, and uh, in a, that, that, okay, that's not an instruction, okay? That, will, that is not to happen. Um, and so I thought that perhaps Vicky and I together could talk a bit about our, our journey from, uh, from unfaith, non-faith, to faith. I mean, uh, we became Christians around about halfway through our life at the moment. So we've, we've spent half our life not knowing Jesus and the other half knowing it. So we've, got a, we've had a foot in each camp. And so I think in a, in a way that perhaps hopefully demystifies this whole idea, for instance, of living in the power of a resurrected life. You know, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus and how that empowers our lives and how, how it should change us. But sometimes I think we expect bright lights, lightning bolts, thunderclouds, God speaking from heaven. We, we'd like the Monty Python thing. You know, you've, anybody watched the, the Holy Grail? God comes from the crowd. Don't tick me off. Go and do what you're told. There's this big voice from here, and a lot of us want that as part, you know, a verification that we've actually accepted Jesus Christ. We'd like the, uh, the, the, the clouds to open and, and God to actually say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, and pick up that piece of paper. Um, we, you know, and I'll have to admit that that's never happened to me. And the change of my life from a life of not knowing Jesus to a life of knowing him is actually quite a bit more subtle than that. And so I want us to, to actually look at, uh, hopefully, and give you some hope that the changes that happened in both Vicky, her story is quite different to mine, uh, will give you hope that, that a change is possible um, and that it doesn't have to be as dramatic as all of that. In fact, some change can be quite boring and uh, sometimes quite unwelcome. Uh, and so the power of live, to live in a resurrected life comes in the previous verse in Philippians, or two verses back. And it, it says in Philippians 3.8, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I can gain Christ. Now, I, I did a bit of a word study on a Hebrew word, shuv, in the chapel service. And this morning, here, I've got a Greek word. This, one, this one's even better. The Greek, who knows what the Greek word for garbage is? <laughs> it's a great word. The Greek word for garbage is skubalon. <laughs> Sounds like something you do underwater. You just wait here and I'll just scoob along. <laughs> you sort of think. Um, but of course, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's actually a bit more serious than that. Uh, in fact, if you read the meaning behind me, it's, it's, very, it's an intense description of garbage. It's usually translated as trash or rubbish. But you can see here, it, it implies the excrement of animals. So it's not just your, your, em your empty paper wrappings. It's, it's your doggy do. It, it's, it's, it's refuse that stinks in your life. And so this scripture here tells us that whatever we do in our, have done in our lives before we met Jesus, we're actually called to think of it as rather on the nose and rather rubbishy. And, and, this, and this can be good things in our life and bad things in our life. Because you know, much as though we like to be, I guess, known for our achievements, more often we actually define our lives by the suffering that we've gone through. And coming to know Jesus actually has an impact on both of those things. And I'm not exactly sure what Vicky's going to talk about, um, but I suspect there may be uh, some of that aspect of, of pain involved in there. Whereas I'm going to gloss over that in mind because I'm a guy and I don't like to talk about pain. Um, but th there were things that were in my life uh, before I met Jesus that I was intensely proud of and really struggled with the idea that God would think they were smelly dog poop in my life to be got rid of. And so um, I'll talk a little bit about the things that had to change in my life and then I'm going to get Vicky up and she's going to talk about some of the, the changes. Her story's a lot better than mine, which is why I'm leaving it to last. And No pressure, dear. Um, <laughs> and uh, so... Our, our introduction to church was, was a bit weird. Um, I had uh, studied at university and I'd gone down the science course. So I, was, uh, I had a degree in biological sciences uh, and I had been working for probably 12 years or so um, in medical research uh, when we first came to church. And, so, and we'd also been involved in a business uh, idea which uh, concentrated very um, heavily on personal development. So here was I doing scientific research and developing myself as a person and I can remember sort of thinking that when I accepted Jesus that he'd probably got a good one here. That uh, I could see myself having a lot to give to the kingdom of God and that's probably why God had chosen me and uh, that uh, it would be, a, a, you know, people would learn that, you know, Science and, and religion could get along quite fine. And up until this point, my two favourite words in life were deoxyribonucleic acid and uh, amino. I've forgotten it now. Uh, yeah, aminolevulinic acid synthase, because they were the things I worked with. And when I came to church, I realised that nobody actually gave a stuff about any of these things. And when I became a, a pastor and had to preach, I realised that even more, people certainly didn't want to hear those words from the pulpit. 
Um, and uh, that if I wanted people to sleep, the easiest way to do that was to expound on my scientific knowledge and uh, rave on about mitochondria and uh, endoplasmic reticulum and all sorts of fun things, and people automatically just, yes, started <laughs> snoring. And so my vaunted knowledge, and plus the fact that we'd come in knowing a, a lot of stuff about personal development and how to encourage people, and, and a, lot of this, a lot of this, you know, turn that smile up, turn that frown upside down, sort of stuff, not turn the smile upside down. <laughs> and, and so I came in with a worldview that the things I'd learned in the world, the church needed to know. I mean, I looked at the church and thought, well, this place is disorganised. And, you know, the, the people don't get on very well. It really horrified me in church. I mean, one of the first examples I had that God wasn't omnipotent was the fact that when Praise and worship started, and this was probably about my second or third week in, and I, I hated the praise and worship. I loved the preaching. But this singing bit, I thought, why do we waste our time singing when we could be hearing from the Word of God? Because I was enamoured with the, with, with the Word of God. Uh, it's the thing that had, it was the hook that Jesus used to get me in. And when they came on stage and started singing, I mean, I thought, these guys are really good. This is amazing. This is what it must mean about the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I was talking about this to someone and, and said that, you know, how do they know what song? Does it just come from the Holy Spirit? As they get up there, the, what song they're going to sing comes to them. And they said, no, no, they rehearse. I said, what? They rehearse? Surely that's unspiritual. Surely you know, the power of God just comes on and they know what to play and everything. No, 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 they have band practice and everything. I was, I was shattered. <laughs> I thought you know, the, the, this whole spiritual thing just drove people's lives. And so I had, a, I had a very twisted world view of things. But what I, what I learnt was that the things that I had known, my knowledge and our experience with building people in the, in the secular world were actually really useful things to know. But my mistake was thinking that I could bring something into the church because I'd read the Bible and discovered there were similar things in the Bible to what I'd learned in the secular world. In fact, a lot of the secular world referred to the Bible as the place where they got them from. And so here's what I was doing. I was getting stuff that was in the Bible that, that God had told his people. Somebody out there had translated it into a secular way of, of not having God involved in it. And then I was trying to bring back into the church and add God back in. Now, can you see, you ever played Chinese whispers? There's a fair bit lost in translation. And so... What I actually had to do and what was really hard for me was to come to the conclusion that none of what I knew was actually going to be useful in church and especially when we took over the church as a pastor, my knowledge in life, and I like to think that I was pretty cluey sort of academically, um, was actually going to be any use whatsoever. And I had to learn not to be organised and not to take my worldly skills into the church. I actually had to relearn those skills as Christ had taught them and then teach the church. And that meant I had to learn them all again. And I had, I had to admit that I was, I was dumb, that, 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 that what I'd learnt stank when it came to God. And I, it happens all the time. When people come into a, a new church, and I assume this happens in all churches, Yet people who come in often from other churches or other walks of life and they look at church and they think we're a disorganised rabble. 
Um, hope, well, hopefully not that bad, but they, they look at things that, that could be improved. And there are always things that we're trying to improve. But the thing I've had to, to learn in, in my improving um, journey is that they have to come from Jesus. They actually have to be something that comes from God. That, that we, we're actually here for a purpose that transcends the, the patterns that we use. You know, I used to think that we weren't a particularly good church because we didn't, we didn't have a... Um, we didn't have a food van. We weren't feeding the poor uh, because that was a good program to have. But when I realised that the reason we didn't have that program was we didn't have anybody who actually wanted to do that. Nobody that in, in the church in the, in the beginning days or now as we still don't have one had a heart to do that sort of thing. Because what I'd come to realise is that the framework that we have as a church has to support the heart of the people of the church. You don't build a framework and ask people to shoehorn their hearts and what God is telling them into a framework that isn't working. And so I came from a, a place of having to, in fact, I had prophesied over me um, just about every Sunday by visiting speakers or by my pastors or whatever. Um, you think too much. Stop thinking. And because that was my, my reason for living. That was what I, I lived for, thinking. And, 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 and I actually had to stop I had to realise that none of my worldly skills were anything that God wanted. That he just wanted me to love people. Now why he asked me to do that, I have no idea. I am crap at that. <laughs> I mean, I, I meet pastors who have a heart that they sob when they're talking about people and their suffering. I'm sorry, it's not me. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing. The, the, the only thing that has that's risen out of... Um, my skill set, I guess, is the fact that Vicky and I are both very practical people. And so when we've learnt from God, we've actually been able to translate the spiritual things we've learnt into practical things. And that's been our, our, our main learning curve. That turning spiritual things into spiritual things, I still struggle with. Uh, I'm not a, a deeply, emotionally spiritual person, but I know God wants me to delve into that as well. And so that's part of my struggle, is putting away what I knew, what I was comfortable with in the life before Jesus and actually laying it down and saying, I promise not to say deoxyribonucleic acid from the pulpit <laughs> more than once in the service or twice. <laughs> I've done it again. Um, to, to actually not use the skills that I've learnt from somebody else above the skills that Christ is teaching me. And so, and, and let me tell you, that wasn't exciting. It didn't happen in a millisecond. It happened over years. It's still happening. I'm still talking about DNA. Uh, but it, it's, it's a journey that we've actually got, got to be continually on. We have to be watching for the way that Christ is changing us. And the fact that the easy way to do that is to think if it's my strength, if it's my skill, then to God's nose, it stinks. And we have to constantly turn ourselves around and get our cues and our, our, our ideas from God. And sometimes that's really disorganised. Church is a messy place. And so for those of you who are what I would call melancholies, who have a, 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 an organisational streak in you and you'd like to come up to me and say, we should be doing this this way because that's the proper way of doing it. I'm sorry until Jesus tells me we're doing it the way I'm doing it. <laughs> but it's because we're all on a journey to put aside what our skills are and our purposes and taking on God. You want to come up and tell? 
Yeah, microphone. I'm not going to turn mine off because I'm going to interject. That's my, that's my skill. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to use that, am I? I'm, I'm, I might, <coughs> excuse me, I might need to get you off. No, I'm, I'm fine. <coughs> I'll be quiet, promise. You know, the interesting thing is, over, over many, many years <coughs> now, and I mean, we haven't been Christians as long as some of you, because I know many of you um, were perhaps raised in a Christian household. We've been heathens longer than most of you. Or, uh, I'm not going to say you're older than us, because most of you aren't, but, but some of you have been Christians longer than us. But one of the saddest things that I see in the Christian walk is when people haven't managed to translate the life that they've had into the life that Jesus wants for them. And, and as we come up to Easter, as, as Chris is talking about, this is such an important time for us to be able to, to really um, not just come to the Easter service, but really think about our own lives and what it means for us to have had Jesus come and die on our behalf. What the power of the resurrected life really means for us. Because sometimes we've just got to, we've got to readjust. Sometimes there's still some things that really stink. And, you know, that goes for every single one of us. And, you know, for me, I, I was completely the opposite to Chris. I, I, I grew up, he was the, I'm not going to say I'm not intelligent. Of course I'm intelligent. But he, he has an intellect and followed that. Me, not so much. Um, and that's probably a bad thing to say, considering the colour of the hair. They might get the wrong idea. They might. Just watch it. Um, don't be fooled. That's yes. right. Don't be fooled. But, Let uh, down your guard at your peril. But I grew up in a household um, that there were many, many other issues going on. And, and there, was, there was a whole lot of emotional abuse. There was sexual abuse. And... Uh, I grew up kind of, I, I had a great childhood on the one hand, but a very difficult childhood on the other hand. And uh, that made me very, um, while Chris was a little more outgoing, I, I was completely the other way. I was very reserved and um, used to actually lose my voice if I was, if I was asked to get up and speak at school. Um, because I was very shy. Um, oh, how things have changed. Because I, <laughs> because I, was, I was often told that um, you know, I wasn't good enough or that I was dumb. And, uh, and, 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 and as a child, that resonates in you and you actually become what you've been told. And so, so for me, that was really difficult. And then as I, as I grew up and um, became a teenager and a, and a, and a young woman... Um, my thoughts and my views of the world and, and of men and of sex, and it was a little warped, let's just say that. I'm not going into any details, but... but Ask me afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll tell you to mind your own business. That's right, you will. And so there were a lot of things in me that needed adjusting when we came into church, when we got saved, um, there were a lot of things that, that needed redeeming in my life. Um, one of them was the ability just to, um, to be who God had called me to be and to understand that I was okay, just as I was. 
um, there was a whole lot of forgiveness that needed to go on, not only for myself, but for others who had, had hurt me and, and hindered my journey in life. And, and that was a massive um, road that I had to go down. And, you know, again, that's something that it's, it's ongoing, these things in your life. But there's a very distinct me before and me after, and they are two completely different people, I have to tell you. Most of you didn't know me before, but I know who I was before, and I know the thoughts that were in my head before Christ, this is. And I was a very different person. And so God has been able to, to turn me around, but it's been, it's been a journey, and that is something that you're always on for the rest of your life. Um, but I just want to really, at this stage, get you to look into your own hearts. Look closely because the things that God wants to change in your life are things that can be frightening to face. They can be difficult to perhaps um, to, to do because it takes effort, it takes time and it takes perseverance. But he is there to help us with that. And on the other side of that, there is an incredible freedom that comes. And there's also a place where you find that the you that you've become is somebody that is better, that you like better, that you do better with in this world. And it's endearing to others. And that's where Christ wants us. So it's so important that we actually make that journey whatever it is for you, you know, and we've every single one of us, I could get every one of you up here one at a time and every one of you would have a story because we all have a story. But we've actually got to face our own story and face the demons in that story and allow God to change us so that we have a different story and we're actually able to reach others for him. So that would be what I would ask you to do. You're going to stop there. You're I am. doing so well. I am. So that's why I got you up second. You did so much better than I did. <laughs> Do you want to continue just on? A different, just, no, just a different story, that's all. But somehow we got together in all of that. We did. Actually, we got together before all of that. We most, did. But we, we, we walked through it together. And uh, I don't know what had happened, actually, if we didn't come to church and meet Christ. We'd be very different people. We'd be people. different people. To, I, I look at that. Do you ever look at that in your own life and think, I mean, for those of you, some of you may have been Christians all your life, but for, for us, as I say, there's a very distinct before and after. We were in our early 30s when we, when we met Jesus, and so um, don't work out how old we are now. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking what he said earlier. Late 30s, perhaps. <laughs> no, 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 early 20s. Yeah. But had we not... I remember even in, um, even in our early days, um, uh, I had a very good friend in, in Liz who's here on the front row and still do, and, uh, and I, I remember saying to her, I need you to hold me accountable because she knew some of the things in my life that I was struggling with, some of the things that Jesus was asking me to change, but I was really fighting with and struggling with, and, and I was scared that... Some of my old behaviours might 
suddenly appear again and I didn't want them to because I wanted to put them to death. I wanted to nail them on the cross once and for all. And I remember saying to Liz one time, do you remember this? Just saying, can I, you know these things about me. You know these couple of things. I want to be accountable to you. If you see me going in that direction, if you hear anything coming out of my mouth or you see any actions on my behalf that are not good, I want you to pull me up on it. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need help from those around us. We don't have to go this alone. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. will always remind us. But sometimes it takes others, the people around us, the people that yeah. care about us, the people that know us the best, can be part of that journey with us. They can help us and remind us. I don't think you ever actually had to remind me of anything. Um, but... Part of that too is I think because I made myself accountable, it actually makes you stick to what you've decided you're going to do. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a journey. I think uh, all too often we, we think of salvation as a, as a gateway. Once you're in, you're in. And once you're out, if you're out, you're out. But I think there's, a, there's actually a journey we go on which has a path and when you're off the path, then you're in the wilderness. Um, and it's easy to actually step off that path. Um, but luckily, Jesus puts lights on that path so we can find our way back. Um, and we're always called not to be perfect, because that's, that's a bit tricky. Uh, but we're called to aim for it. I mean, Galatians 2 verse 20 is actually... A, a statement that we're, we're aiming for, not that's actually true every second of our life, unfortunately. And it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. And that's something we should remind ourselves about every day because it's all too easy for our old self to come back. It's all too easy for us to rip the nails out of our old self and uncrucify it and put it back, as I, I said this morning, on the throne. And so we just want to encourage you that you know, having God lead in your life doesn't require an extraordin extraordinarily um, violent shift in your thinking or change in your life. It requires a day-by-day -day trust in God and faith that he is actually doing something in you. And sometimes it, it takes a long time to understand that what he seems to be destroying in your life is actually building something better. And that the things that you relied on for your self-worth, uh, uh, for your, your self-image, all of those things, are actually just idols that need to be burnt uh, so that you can actually uh, do what God has asked you to do. Uh, so I encourage you. Hopefully that's, that's made us appear possibly more ordinary. Um, you know there's often this idea that your pastors get there because they're perfect in some way. Um, thankfully, we're here to dispel that myth completely. Um, but that just that our faith in God has enabled us to actually go through some of those struggles. Uh, and next Sunday, we're going to talk a bit about the, the whole idea of suffering with Jesus and how that there are, there are things that we've gone through that when you look back on it is suffering. But the intriguing thing is that as we've gone through them, as we've walked with Jesus, when you're actually walking through it, 
It actually doesn't feel like suffering if you've got your eyes fixed on the right place. So we'll talk a bit about that uh, next week. Um, but can I ask you all just uh, to stand at the moment? Can I get uh, Jord here? Um, and I just want to give an invitation, as we do every Sunday, to people who are on a journey. And the Lord of your life is your skill. It could be your intelligence, your good looks, your aptitude, whatever it is that, whatever, whatever it is, you've made yourself the God of your life. And you've come to a point where you think there's got to be more to life than me as a God. Because most of us, if you're really honest, we, we'd make terrible gods. Um, and so I want to invite you this morning to accept Jesus as your Lord, as your God, as your guiding light in life to start a journey with a relationship with Him. Because the great thing about having Jesus in your life, He's not a God who sits in heaven on a throne and issues commands through a cloud with a cartoon megaphone. He's actually a person. God came in person on earth to have relationship with us. And we can actually have that relationship today with Jesus Christ. And to do that, we ask people to pray a prayer that basically says, Lord, I'm going to lay down my life and take up your cross. I'm going to become somebody who calls themselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do my best to walk that journey with you. It's only the beginning. It's not, uh, it's not a magic prayer. It's not something where you can say, I've ticked that box, said that prayer. Um, now I'm saved. It's actually, all you've done is check the box that opens the door that allows you to walk that path with Jesus at your side. So can I get everyone just to close their eyes for a moment? And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your God, as your Saviour, or you've, you, you know you've done it in the past, but right now He certainly doesn't live in your life as your Saviour and your Lord, can you just pop your hand up right now so that I can see it? And I'd love to pray a prayer with you just to start that journey in your life with Jesus at your side or to restart that journey if somehow it's faltered. We'll pray together as a congregation, I won't single you out to, to pray, but it'd be great if you just let me know who you are and we'll pray together to invite Jesus into your life. Awesome. Will you let me pray for you before we finish this morning? Mighty God. I ask your spirit to touch every single person here, to guide us, to move us in a new direction this morning, one that doesn't rely on our skills, our talents, our efforts, but where we rest in the knowledge that you, Almighty God, love us, care for us, that you have taken our burdens on your shoulders and that in following you, we can be assured that the people we are at the end of our lives are better, more robust, more whole people than we are at the beginning. Thank you, Lord, for believing in me. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me into your family. 
thank you for every single person here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Let's give them a hand.